what even is Reformation Sunday about? Maybe this is your first Reformation Sunday with us, so you're thinking, I don't know, Pastor, you tell me. Maybe you've been around the Lutheran Church for a while, and this is part of your blood, it's in your DNA, so you have an answer ready in your head about what the Reformation is about. But it pays to stop and think, doesn't it? Because 504 years ago today, if you would have found a German monk named Martin Luther on his way with his 95 theses, 95 propositions, 95 statements that he wanted to talk about and debate, if you found him and you said, it's so cool that you're doing this, Martin, because we are going to be celebrating this for the next 500 years and more, you are, by doing this on October 31st, 1517, you are changing the course of history and of the church. If you would have said that to him, I think he would have turned around and gone home. He wasn't trying to start anything except for a conversation. He wasn't trying to burn any bridges. He had no idea that that moment that he posted those 95 theses to the door at the church in Wittenberg, that he was starting something that we are celebrating today. Kind of like how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't seem like they thought much of their conversation with King Nebuchadnezzar. If you would have told them that for thousands and thousands of years, the Christian church would be remembering their conversation, their confession before the king of Babylon, teaching it to our kids in Sunday school, and that some pastor in El Paso, Texas, thousands and thousands of years after their lifetimes, would be preaching about it on Reformation Sunday, they would have been like, huh? Because they probably didn't think much of it. Kind of goes to show that in your life, you can be going through the motions, you can be doing something, and you don't even know how important it is, do you, until later on. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in a bit of a pickle, to say the least. They were in a troubling situation for a lot of reasons. Did you know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not the names that their mothers and fathers gave them? No, they were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Hebrew names. They were Israelites. They grew up in God's promised land, among God's chosen people, doing Israelite things, worshiping at the Israelite place of worship, Solomon's temple, living life. That was their home, that was their culture, that was their lifestyle, until the tyrannical nation of Babylon came in and destroyed their homes, destroyed their temple, and carted off the best and the brightest of Israel back to Babylon to force them to work for the Babylonian government. And so Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they were taken into the king's court because they were very intelligent. And they were told, your Hebrew identity, your Israelite identity, that's gone now. You are Babylonians. Your names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Babylonian names. And... They were forced to work in the king's court, giving the king of Babylon advice, interpreting his dreams, answering his questions, teaching him. Can you imagine? 
not only the sorrow of watching your home nation be destroyed, your church being demolished to the ground, but being carted off into a foreign nation and being forced to work for the very government that has oppressed you, being forced to help the king in whose office was in charge of destroying your home. The sorrow of being in that position, the anger that they must have felt as their home identities were ripped from them and they were treated and assimilated into Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Every time someone says their name, they remember what they had lost. So what do they do? Nothing. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would make a terrible, boring movie. Because while there's oppression, while there's violence, while there's aggression, what do they do in response? They work. They put their noses to the grindstone. They do a good job. They don't disguise themselves and pour uh, Babylon's tea into the Boston Harbor. They don't rebel. There's no plot to kill Nebuchadnezzar. They just do their jobs. And they do it well. And before we think that they're somehow not manly or not patriotic because they're not going to revolt against the king, just hang on a second and you'll see. Because Nebuchadnezzar comes up with this crazy idea, an idea that only a self-absorbed, self-obsessed megalomaniac would come up with. He creates a gigantic statue of himself made of pure gold. And he says, here's the deal, Babylon. What, what's going to happen is as soon as you hear trumpets, as soon as you hear music, stop everything you're doing, and all you have to do is bow down with your face to the ground and worship the statue of me. That's it. And then you can carry on with the rest of your day. What are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going to do? They're in a bit of a pickle. But make no mistake, brothers and sisters, this is not the straw that broke the camel's back. This is not the final straw for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They don't say, oh, we've put up with so much from King Nebuchadnezzar, and now this, we've had it. Let's rebel. Let's stand up in the face of Nebuchadnezzar. No, they were willing to endure so much for the name of their God, willing to suffer through so much, just not this. As Hebrews, as Israelites, who grew up reciting the very first of the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods. There was no way they were going to budge on this. On this, they could not move. The punishment Nebuchadnezzar said was to be thrown into a blazing furnace, to be killed in a very horrendous way if you disobeyed. It can remind us a little bit <clears throat> of Martin Luther. Because Martin Luther, on October 31st, he nailed those 95 theses to the door of the church at Wittenberg. He just wanted a discussion. His goal was simple. He, he had 95 things he wanted to talk about. He wanted to engage in dialogue, in conversation, in a debate. And when that debate finally happened, later on in April of the next year, he was very disappointed because his opponents, who were the strongest, the, the most powerful men in the world at that time, they didn't debate. 
they didn't call to question a single one of his 95 theses. The only thing they wanted to do was get him to just take it back, pretend it never happened, keep your problems to yourself, Martin. The reason he was so disappointed was because he was starting to realize that his opponents were not interested in having a conversation about what the Bible says. His opponents were not interested in seeking to find out how God wants to relate to us through this book and what we should know, what we should practice about him. They didn't want to talk about that. They just wanted to hang on to the traditions of men. Not exactly a giant golden statue, but it's the same problem. So like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Martin Luther said, I'm sorry, I cannot budge on this. And we look back at our, our, our forefathers in the faith, at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even at Martin Luther, and we could say, wow, what heroes, right? What role models, people we should be like, we should have faith like that, we should stand up like that. But do you see how that's not the full story? Do you see how that would even be ironic? If you left today after listening to this sermon and the only thing you left thinking was, I should be like Martin Luther or I should be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's not the whole point, right? What did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? What did they say? Who did they put on the center stage? It wasn't themselves. But hear what they said to King Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And, if he, and he will deliver us from your, mighty, your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not calling attention to themselves. But they brought God into the center stage. God is the real hero of this story. God is the real hero of the Reformation. God is the real hero of your story. Because when the last page of your story is written, and it's time to hang it up and enter that sleep of death, your story will not be the one of someone who overcame all obstacles and made something of themselves. Your story will not be the triumph of one person against all odds. No, your story is the story of a lost and condemned creature fallen to sin, but purchased and won by the grace of God. We talk a lot about grace. It's that love that God has for us that we do not deserve, but that he gives to us freely in Jesus Christ. Your story is not of your triumph, but of God's triumph for you. As Jesus Christ, his only son, gave his life on the cross to triumph over your sin for you, to give you full and free forgiveness of how God triumphed over your death so that like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you can stare death in the face and know that it is not the end 
after your death is not the moment where you will have to answer for your sins and go to your eternal punishment, but since Jesus has already paid that for you, that your death is when you get to be welcomed in to heavenly glory with God forever. Do you deserve it? No. But that's why we call it grace. And God has connected you to that grace through faith, a gift of his. You did not choose to trust in God. You did not cross a line and come to him, but he chose you. He sent his Holy Spirit into your heart when you were baptized or when you heard the word of God first. He changed you. He reformed your heart. That was the first reformation for you when your heart of stone became a heart of flesh. When God, through his grace, brought you from death into life. When God drew you into his family through faith. And this, this was taught to you by this word of God. Shown you who God exactly is. What exactly he has done for us. And how great, how wonderful, how worthy of center stage in our lives he is. Faith is simply acknowledging that God is the hero of the story, the story of our lives, the story of human history. It all centers on God. And now you can see why Martin Luther wasn't willing to budge when it came to what God says. Now you can see why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were able to stand up before the king of Babylon and say, no, your opinions of us, your threats of punishment are nothing compared to the salvation we have in God. Did you catch what they said? They said, even if we are thrown into your fiery furnace, Nebuchadnezzar, even if you throw us into that furnace and we die a miserable, horrible death, our God is still going to deliver us. That's something you can only say when you know who God is and you know that he has changed even your death into a deliverance. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had the blessing of their faith becoming sight because God did choose to save them from that fiery furnace from that furnace that was so hot that it killed even the people that tried to throw them in. They came out not even smelling like smoke. I stand in front of my grill for two minutes and I smell like smoke for the rest of the day. But you couldn't even tell that they were even anywhere near that fiery furnace. So that even Nebuchadnezzar could see God's deliverance and his glory. He looks in there and he sees not just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but some fourth guy. What's up with that? And he looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar has never seen an angel of God before. But let's understand this rightly. It's not like God saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown into that furnace. And then he went over and saw that his angel that was supposed to watch over them was sitting around playing video games and said, no, you got to get down there. You got to help them. No, this was a pulling back of the curtain, showing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar, and us something that has been true the whole time. God was with them their entire lives, being carried off into exile, having these opportunities to stand and confess their faith. It was all God being with them. Their faith became sight. 
Even Martin Luther, when he stood in front of that debate and those people said, take it back, take back everything you said, all your 95 theses, he says that he was shaking in his boots in that moment. He was not fully confident, but later on he saw. After decades and decades of preaching and teaching and reforming and bringing people to Jesus, bringing people to the word, he looks back and he says, you know, I did nothing. The word did everything. His faith became sight. And it will for you too. It's possible that many of you have had the experience of going through a terrible time, but you look back and you see now, with the benefit of hindsight, how God was with you that whole time, how he was delivering you from even worse things, how God used it even for your good. Maybe you have that benefit of being able to think like that, but maybe you don't. Maybe you're going through it right now. You feel like you're in Babylonian exile. You feel surrounded by wickedness and evil. You feel like even your own identity is being taken from you, and you don't know how it's going to end. Remember the words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Our God will deliver us. Whether that's right now, whether God takes away what's stressing you out, takes away what's making you miserable right now in this life, or he calls you home and you are delivered from all of your suffering, all of your sin, all of what makes you stressed out and remember that we're living in an imperfect world when he calls you home to heaven. And until he does that, when you stress, when you doubt, when you think, maybe I will face what my sins deserve, remember, you are not the hero of your own story. It doesn't all depend on you to overcome your obstacles and your odds, to even overcome your sin. God is the real hero, and he's already won. You are already victorious in Christ by God's grace. So let God be the hero. Give him center stage and let his grace rule your life. Amen.